Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods moving and storage studio, it's The Ramsey Show, where America hangs out to have a conversation about your life and your money. I'm Ramsey personality George Campbell, joined this hour by Rachel Cruz, best-selling author and co-host, not only today of The Ramsey Show, but also my co-host on Smart Money Happy Hour. That's so right, be sure to podcast. check that out. We're having a good time over there as well. A lot of levity, a lot of fun, and uh, we try to bring that to the show as well. So it's a free call at 888-825-5225. So you jump on the lines and we'll talk about your life and your money. Natalie kicks us off in Buffalo, New York. Natalie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. How can Rachel and I help? So I have about $400,000 in student loans. And um, I do qualify for the public loan service forgiveness. So I've been trying to really aggressively pay off the loans. I make my net income is about 120000 a year. So I've been kind of pouring as much money as I can into my loan to try to get them out. But at the same time, the loans are going, like, they're due to be forgiven in four more years. And I already have six years that qualify. It would just be four more years before they're supposed to disappear. Um, I'm also trying to, like, save for down payment on a house. So I was trying to see if I can put some of my money into a savings account or a CD to try to get enough money for a down payment rather than towards my loan. Natalie, what was your degree in for $400,000? I'm a physician. Okay, and you're making one twenty. Do you see your income going up anytime soon? So that's like after taxes and everything. Um, not anytime soon. Maybe like on a yearly basis. Okay. So you're probably making closer to two hundred or so gross. Exactly. Yes. Like okay. two thirteen or so. Okay. Well, first and foremost, no, I would not be saving for a house, Natalie, until you get all of this situated because it gets it gets in a really tough position when people go and purchase something like a home which is for most people you know their largest financial purchase and then you still have this debt which is basically a mortgage you know that I mean like it's just it's a lot not that you can't get out of it I don't want it to sound hopeless but the weight of the amount that you owe um, plus a mortgage on top of that and everything I we don't suggest getting a mortgage until you're debt free and have an emergency fund so I would be if I were you yeah, working to pay this off. But you said you're part of that of the loan forgiveness program, and it, in, right. and you think in four years is that because I think from a lot of from what we've read and researched, and Christina Ellis, who's um, really the expert when it comes to student loans and student loan forgiveness. I mean the 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 ratio, the percentage still is so low. The percentage that actually get it that actually the, get it, yeah, is abysmally low. And you know, I hope that you are in there, and I hope it works out, but. We always have to think about what if it doesn't, because if you don't make all of these payments perfectly, the whole thing resets, and we just don't know what the next four years of your life looks like. And the other side of this, are you wanting to purposefully work in the public sector? So right now, I mean, kind of everywhere I've had a job is just in that sector. Um, so I wasn't thinking of just sitting there for at least until, you know, for four more years, just to, in case I do qualify to, to do that. Yeah, but, that's, I mean, that's the part that scares me is you kind of put your life on hold and you go, I'm just going to settle and be comfortable because I'm going to hope that this works out versus you jumping into the private sector and making, you know, who knows, $100,000 more, um, which is a possibility. And you go, oh, 
I guess I don't need the government to forgive this after all. I can take control of this. And so I'm not anti you hanging on for four years, but like Rachel said, I would also not be making giant financial moves, jumping into a house, and all of a sudden the forgiveness didn't work out, and now you still have a pile of loans sitting there. Right. I guess all my life I've just been renting an apartment, and I feel like my money's not really going anywhere, and I thought it would be good investment but yeah and it yeah um, and you're exactly right though it it would be and i think you know real estate and owning a home is something yeah we definitely want for everyone but just with your current situation and this amount of debt but the great thing is natalie you know if you do what george says and just kind of dream a little bit and say okay what if i go into the private sector how much can i make and how much you know would it take because you could have a really big shovel you have a big you know hole if you will with that four hundred thousand dollars but you could also get a massive shovel and and knock this out in two years i mean you know if you made you know 350 yeah 350 and it's like man you really could you could make a huge dent in a a quick period of time um so that's what i would do and too natalie there's um almost this mindset to have when it comes to your money and i think you know majority of the parts of your life of you just of you owning it you know and taking control and instead of waiting on a program or waiting on a system to come in and fix it for you, for you to say, okay, I signed up for these loans. This is the Mm -hmm. career path I wanted. And I bet you're fantastic, a fantastic physician. um, And you're going to be able to help and you are helping, you know, tons of people. So it's such wonderful work that you're in. Um, And to say, I'm going to just take care of my life and my money and it's going to be up to me. And when you have that mindset on something as big as student loans and student loan forgiveness and this is kind of the same conversation we're having with people out there that are waiting on the current system you know to get into place because they want some loans forgiven and so it's just that mindset shift and when you start to actually take control of of your life things just move like the progress Mm -hmm. of what you do you just take ownership and then that bleeds into other areas of your life too so that's that's kind of our attitude when it comes to our money is is not waiting on someone else or another program to fix it and wait four years where you could do you could do a lot natalie you really could and i believe you can yeah so you know i'm not going to give you advice today to say go do this or go do that but we hopefully gave you enough to chew on to kind of thumb through this and when people are you know over halfway into this rachel it's hard to go like okay like in four years it could be gone you know what that's a lot of money i'm gonna be a little bit more black and white than you george okay I would tell her to. I would tell her go to the private sector unless she feels called. If there's like this, like and that was huge was why to the public. But if it's not, if you're doing the public just to get the loans forgiven in four years, I'd scratch it and I would say go to the private sector. You can serve there really well, help a lot of people. Just grab on your and then and then saving up for a house, Natalie, with that income with no payments and no debt. I'm like, oh my gosh, you could save up for an incredible well, think house about the quickly next for a down payment. Like all twenty of this, years in the private sector. Yes, I mean in the next five years, Natalie, your life could look so different. So if I were in your shoes, that's what I would do. That's a good word. And uh, go check out our Bard Future documentary. It's free on YouTube, uh, and I think that will uh, maybe inspire you in some ways as we dig into this whole student loan crisis, the further education conversation. It's good stuff. And uh, while we're on this thread, Rachel, talking about taking control, I want to mention that we have launched our Building Wealth events, and that's kind of what it's all about. We're telling people, hey, you don't have to wait on the economy, on the White House to take control of your money and build wealth. And so a general admission passes for this event are just 39 bucks until December 5th. So that's early bird pricing. It's going to be Dave Ramsey, Dr. John Deloney, Ken Coleman, myself, Rachel Cruz. We're going to kind of switch off uh, at these events across the country. We're kicking it off January 12th in Nashville, Tennessee. Then we're going to Indianapolis in February, Austin in February, Salt Lake City in April, and Anaheim, California on May 2nd. We're going to show you how to inflation-proof your money, build lasting wealth, 
and how to apply these principles to your life in a way that is real. So early bird pricing ends Monday. Do not miss this. Get your general admission pass for just 39 bucks today. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash events. That's RamseySolutions.com slash events. Don't wait on anyone to get control of your life and especially your money. This is The Ramsey Show. Show. I'm George Camel. Joined this hour by Rachel Cruz. Well, it's been an amazing week of Ramsey shows so far. Appreciate all of you calling in and trusting us with your biggest life and money questions and a lot of tough family situations going on right now. Calls about uh, paying back a strange parent's loan, um, taking estranged children out of the will, moving on after a divorce, setting boundaries around holidays and Christmas gifts and travel, giving money to kids. There's so much relational and money conversations happening right now, Rachel. Yes. And yeah, this week it was just magnified. It felt like there was a lot. A lot Holidays of will bring that, that out. I guess so. On top of that, we had some amazing Dave rants, which we all love. Uh, I know you do as the listeners on annuities, uh, gazelle intensity, on eating out. I had a, a viral TikTok video about how eating out is more expensive than eating at okay, home. Okay, so I heard about this. What happened? People were just saying, your numbers are so wrong. You can't eat at and home for under four. what were your numbers? Tell, give us, give us said, a little I said the snippet. average meal eating at home, about four bucks per serving. I think yeah. I need to make that clear. Average meal eating out, about 13 bucks. Everyone, they're like, my eggs are $13. Oh my gosh, you can't. And so, oh, stop. just a very, they very got upset. Mad at you, George. And Dave's reaction, I mean, he was at level 10 the whole time. You got to go <laughs> check that one out. He also had a great rant about Bitcoin bros uh, as mm. more and more crypto, um, you know, coins mm. are collapsing, companies collapsing. And uh, even some current event stuff, student loan forgiveness has been a hot topic and all these crypto exchanges failing. So a lot of good calls, good content. Go check it out. You can do that. Uh, go back and listen to podcasts. Check out the Ramsey Show YouTube channel, all about the highlights. And if you do like the show, if you're an avid listener, you love it, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and especially this, share it with someone who needs to hear it. Most people these days, Rachel, they've got the Rolodex full when it comes to yeah. shows. The only way they're going to add one in or swap one out is for a friend to say, hey, you really need to check out The Ramsey Show and send them a specific episode that you really enjoyed. Yeah, so that's that super helps. helpful uh, to help us make more impact across the country. Back to the phones we go. The number is 888-825-5225. Jerry is calling in from Indianapolis. Jerry, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Absolutely. How can we help? Um, first of all, God bless you for taking my call. And um, I basically owe about 50000 on my home. Um, it appraises at about one eighty. And my question is, um, should I sell it? Should I keep it? Or should I, um, because I'm getting ready to be an operations manager for an Airbnb or turn it into a B&B and buy a camper? Whoa. So what's driving these decisions? Um, well, just because... I only paid about 75 for the home um, and the market is, you know, about 110 over that um, to get back. 
And then what? But so, then you'd need to go live somewhere else, and the market's still right. hot, and so you'd have to go buy something just as expensive, if not more expensive, or a camper, or a which, camper. And so, what's driving you to get the camper? Well, I have um, only a fifteen-year-old at home, so um, we live in a small home anyway, so it wouldn't be a really big adjustment for us. Jerry, is the um, um, is the mortgage payment what what is it compared to your income? Is it overwhelming or is it doable? Is it less than that twenty five percent that we talk about? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I can give you my opinion without asking any more follow up questions, George, unless sure. you have any. But I mean, I mean, if I were you, Jerry, I w- I would stay in the home. I mean, the home is only going to continue to go up in value. Uh, owning real estate is just a great investment. I mean, it's something that I think is part of your net worth. It's something that continues to go up. Um, I think we're now at the point that I think everyone realizes it's not a bubble. It's not going to burst. Everyone was nervous about that about 12 months ago, nine months ago. Um, so where you're at in equity is is great. I mean, that's for your, for, you know, on your side uh, when it comes to stuff. So, so moving into... Um, you know, a, a smaller home or a camper. I mean, you can if you that's what you want to do, but you don't need to financially. And in fact, staying in real estate, I think, is just a it's it's a great investment. Do you have any other debts? Um, I owe a truck payment that's about thirty thousand. About thirty. How much do you make a year? Um, with my husband, about ninety. About ninety. Okay. Um, I'd focus on paying off that truck, and I'd stay put where I'm at. I just I don't see this as a problem, and so we're trying to solve a non-existent problem because once you're in the camper, well, now the camper is going down in value. You no longer have an asset, and the camper is still a short-term solution. We can't live in a camper forever, and so I just don't right. see the the reason to make a big financial move like this uh, when you don't have to. So I'd be about the business of paying off the truck, then be about the business of paying off the mortgage, and now we have a fully paid for home that maybe we can upgrade and pay cash later on down the road. Sounds great. Appreciate your guys' design. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for calling, Jerry. Good stuff. All right, Kevin joins us up next in Irvine, California. Kevin, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Thanks, George. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. How can we help today? So, I've never had life insurance. My wife has never had life insurance. We've never been dependent upon each other's income. Our assumption is essentially if one of us died, the other would be just fine with the money they were making, plus whatever was in the retirement account of the person who died. But now with three factors changing things up, I'm starting to reassess that. Uh, First factor is inflation has made our cost of living go up a bit. Second factor is the stock market being down. The money in our accounts is a lot less than it was. And third factor is we just found out that we're pregnant. Oh, congratulations. I'm what my responsibilities are. (laughs) That'll do it, won't it? That's great. Well, your your factors right there are exactly why we tell every human being to get life insurance if there's someone else in the picture because we don't know what life's going to throw at us. And if, for God forbid, my spouse died, I don't want to have to go straight back to work because I need that paycheck. I want to have space to yeah. grieve. I want to have money in the bank to know that I'm covered on that area so that I have that space emotionally. And so that's one major reason to have it in place. So I would absolutely get life insurance for both of you in place, get a term life policy that is worth 10 to 12 times your income, especially as you bring a little one into the world. Yeah. Are you guys both pretty healthy, Kevin? Pretty, you know, would you say health wise? I I like to think so for sure. Yeah. 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 Totally. (laughs) Well, how old are you guys? I'm 34. She's 32. And do you mind if I give you my numbers real quick? Yeah, please. Yeah. So we have a paid for home. It was worth 
five forty five when we bought it. It's probably around eight hundred now, depending on if Zillow is accurate. That's great. And then in my retirement accounts, um, before everything took a downturn, it was around half a million and our living expenses after having the house paid off was roughly like 40,000 a year. Cause you know, no mortgage payment payment. You can live a lot more cheaply. Yeah. So my, my numbers were essentially that because I have half a million in my retirement, if I, you know, bite the dust a little too early, then my wife can easily live off of 10% of that half a million. Um, but again, the living expenses have gone up a little. I'm not entirely sure how much cause it seems to change yeah. week to week to month. Yeah. And I'm not sure with the baby come along, coming along what that would mean also. And then if she were to die, then I would be in a little bit of a world of hurt because I couldn't get to my retirement funds and she has 55 in hers, and which would be fine if there wasn't a baby in the mix. But if there's a baby, then I'll have to worry about childcare and stuff. Sure, sure. Well, let me tell you this, Kevin. I mean, yes, when you look at the numbers and everything that you're saying, could you technically be self-insured? Uh, I mean, yeah, you guys have a paid for house. You have great, you know, great retirement. Like you said, she doesn't have as much. So yeah, uh, you're the one that, you know, would be the one that you're like, oh gosh. Um, but I, in my opinion, term life, as long as you're healthy and you're more on that, you know, the younger end of the spectrum, it's so inexpensive. Like my husband and I, we just upped ours probably 18 months ago, maybe two years ago. Um, and we're, I mean, I would say we would technically be self-insured. Um, you know, we're kind of to the point that we're like, okay, we're on baby step seven and we might be fine. But I'm like, it's just so cheap that a part of me is like, yeah. I kind of just like to have it. Like ju- the just in case that I'm like, okay, it's just there because it's so inexpensive. And as it starts raising where you're like, okay, that's just, n- it's just n- not a good use of our money anymore because your retirement's grown. You guys, again, uh, maybe in a different a different season, then you could look at saying, yeah, self-insured. But I I would still do it just because it's so inexpensive. But maybe that's the security part in me as a woman Absolutely. where I'm like, it's that extra, extra safety net that just feels nice to have. Yes. 10 to 12 times your income, get a 15 or 20-year policy. You're going to sleep better at night. And by the way, if you're a stay-at-home parent, you especially need insurance. Just because you don't have a paycheck doesn't mean that if, if you need to be yeah. replaced, it would take 17 people yes, and a lot ha- of money. About half a million dollars on a stay-at-home parent. That's what you need. Get this in place today. You can go check out our friends at Xander Insurance. That's where me and Rachel have ours through, and they will take good care of you. This is The Ramsey Show. Are you sick of planned obsolescence? You know, when companies make products crappy, so you have to buy more of their crappy products. Well, me too. And it's why I love companies like Grip6. Grip6 is all about quality products meant to last forever. That's why they're comfortable, bulk-free belts, slimline wallets, and lightweight wool socks all come with a lifetime warranty and simple returns and exchanges. So check them out at Grip6.com today and get up to 20% off with the promo code RAMSEY. This is The Ramsey Show. I'm George Campbell, joined by Rachel Cruz this hour. You can give us a call at 888-825-5225 if you want to talk about your life and your money. 
Well, Rachel, I've been tagged in about a thousand of these Spotify wrapped Instagram stories. I know. Isn't that great? And what's so cool to see is how many people have been checking out the Ramsey Network shows. Not just the Ramsey show, but the Dr. John Deloney show, the Ken Coleman show, the Rachel Cruz show, Smart Money Happy Hour. And uh, Jacob D. emailed in with subject line, I think I have a Ramsey show addiction. And his top four podcasts, Ramsey Show, The Dr. John Deloney Show, True Crime Garage, Ah. followed by Smart Money Happy Hour. There you go. So thank you, Jacob, uh, for being such an intent listener of all of our shows. And thank you all for listening, for sharing that on Instagram. It helps us spread the word about the show and impact more people. And uh, that Spotify rap is hilarious, Rachel. They're like, this is so accurate. And it's like, yeah, it's literally data. It's, lit- it's literally they're, they're the not making of hours this up. <laughs> we know that you listened to the Taylor Swift album 48 times in the past week. So good. That was a personal attack on me, Rachel. <laughs> Fire album. All right, let's go to the phones. Carrie joins us all the way in Anchorage, Alaska. Carrie, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for taking my call. You are so happy to be so cold right now. How are you doing? Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's four degrees, so <gasps> still have a smile on my face, folks. I love it. Always. That's the resilient Alaskan vibe we need today. How can we help? That is true. Well, I just had a few questions. Um, this year had a lot of changes. I sold um, a condo that I had owned for 10 plus years and bought a home. And uh, also got engaged, and so now here I am with a fiancé with a a home, and I have a home, and we're kind of just in that spot where I was able to rent my house out. Um, You know, I'm, and and I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or come when the lease, you know, um, is up, should I rent it out again? Do I need to think about just selling my house, or do we keep it? And so... Yes, yeah, so you guys will be things. moving into his place. We are okay, and so then you have yeah. your house still. It's rent. It's you're gonna rent it or it's renting now. Um, do you guys have any yeah. debt? What will your financial situation be when you guys get married? What would be your combined income? Uh, it'll be about probably about four hundred. Okay, and do you guys have any debt? Uh, the uh, the only debt that I have is my mortgage. Okay, now. and that's and, it. Does uh, he? Will he have any? That, no, just his mortgage as well. Okay, as and well. how much is his mortgage? You know, it's about eighteen hundred. What's left total on the loan? Uh, I'm not exactly sure on the number, but it's definitely under two hundred thousand. Okay, cool. Probably under one hundred and fifty thousand. And how about you in your house? Well, so my payment is about twenty two hundred, and. I just closed on the home in May. Okay. And how much do you have left so, on the mortgage? Three, about 360. 360, okay. What's it worth if you sold to today? About the same? Yeah, I, but again, with the market doing what they're doing, I would think I would get what I paid for it, which was three, it was 375. Okay. So you don't have much in the house as far as equity? I, I don't. What are you renting it for? Which is kind of where I'm, 3,100. Okay. Yeah, I'm I mean, you asked for our opinion, I'll give it to you. If you were married and you guys had a mortgage and you said, "Hey, let's get another house and another mortgage and put very little down." I would say, "Don't do that, Carrie." And so that tells me we're going to sell the house mm-hmm. and uh any of the profits we can throw at his mortgage and we just be about the business okay. of getting rid of our now one mortgage. 
And later on down the road, you can get back into the real estate investing game and do it with cash and do it with a lot of peace and a lot of wisdom. Um, So that's what I would do if I was in your shoes. Okay. I like that uh, idea. It's a little scary to think that I just purchased a house and now I'm going to sell it. So that is the bummer um, that yeah, is because yeah. there's going to be, you know, you're paying the fees. Um, you may not get out of it with a whole lot of profit. And that's mm-hmm, okay, Carrie, mm-hmm. but honestly, it's going to be worth it. Like of not owning a home, mm-hmm. you're going to be dealing with a renter. And if, again, if you want to get mm-hmm. into the real estate game, it's not a bad thing, but you know, a lot of people look at this as like, Oh, it's just such easy passive income. And it's not, I mean, it ends up being kind of a part-time job when you're a landlord and a tenant. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it just adds a layer mm-hmm. to your life that you don't need. And so, yeah, you may pay some extra right. fees and stuff, but you know what? I would just look forward and be like, all right, I did it and let's move on. And and I would and I would <laughs> I, sell it. I really would. Because I think you guys, your first okay. year of marriage, you're going to be able to do so much. You guys are making incredible money. You're going to be able to knock mm-hmm. out your, your mm-hmm. primary mortgage. And I mean, you guys are going to start investing. You're able to have cash and travel. I mean, yeah, there's I'm just a lot. I'm excited for you. A okay. lot for you in the future, I Carrie. Know. I know you guys are- You're going from two mortgages <laughs> and pretty soon you're going to have no mortgage. And then imagine making 400K with no payments in the world. How quickly could you stack up a whole bunch of cash and buy property and have it completely- If you want it, right? Cash flow, right, all right. the profits yours. So yes. I love this yep. plan. And uh, can, I, okay. can I gift you a little premarital gift? Please, that would be wonderful. Okay, I'm going to gift you guys Financial Peace University as our gift to you as you embark on this journey together and become one. And watch all nine lessons together. I think it will motivate you and inspire you, give you some tools in your tool belt, a lot of knowledge. And Rachel and I are in it, if that helps any. It may not be a selling point to you, Carrie. I have no idea. <laughs> it's wonderful. But, I listen to you guys every day. So oh, thank that's you. so nice. So well, fun. Thank you for the call. Hang on the line. Austin will get that over to you. Uh, and we're excited for you guys. Congratulations, Carrie. Jeremy's up next in San Jose. Jeremy, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hello. What's going on? Right, right. So um, I reached a point, I had a call with you guys a few years ago, and you guys got me very motivated to get rid of all my pet. And uh, I did reach a point um, up until a few weeks ago where I didn't have any debt except for my mortgage. And... um, this whole year, um, I, I just been, uh, very impulsive with my money. I'm not sure what's going on with me. And so I bought it, I bought a car and I got a loan and my wife, she found about out of, found out about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she was very upset that mm-hmm. I got a loan on a car. Um, my, you know, I was kind of justifying it by saying, well, you know, I, I typically save around 2000 a month, right? After all my expenses, so I could just pay it off, right? Or, you know, I have, I have um, a few grand in cash. I'll just p- start paying it all off. And then I have a bonus coming up in the next uh, few months, and I can just pay it off all then. But I, I now that I have the car, I'm just thinking to myself, like, why did I do this? Why am I spending money? Why am I not saving my money? And why am I, like, I feel like I went behind my wife's back and I got a car cause we agreed not to get loans on stuff like this and she's upset about it. And then she told me, you know, because you did this, you need to go and deplete our emergency fund and pay this car off tomorrow. Mm. Um, I haven't done that yet. So my question to you guys is one, I mean, typically I know you guys may encounter people with who just seem to make dumb decisions with money. Um, I don't want to continue to do this, you know? And secondly, I mean, is that the right move to just do what my wife said and say, you know what, I made a mistake, let's just pay, let's just take the cash out the emergency fund and pay for the car. Mm. 
Well, Jeremy, I, I, I appreciate, I feel like where you're at, if I'm listening to your tone correctly, um, you're regretting it, you're not being prideful and spiteful and saying, you know, screw everyone else, I'm going to just do what Jeremy wants to do. I mean, you feel a level of remorse is what it sounds like. Um, so how much, how much is the car? How much, how much is the loan? Well, I mean, the loan is, the loan, well, the car was like 15, but w- with the fees, I think it comes around. It, it comes to seventeen something. Okay. Yeah, I don't know the exact number off my head. Yeah. Yep. And if you sold it tomorrow, what could you sell it for? Man, I think the car values have actually lost value, uh, so I think I could sell it for, for probably sixteen or fifteen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's what I do, Jeremy. I'm selling it. Yeah. And I would just chalk it up. We call it stupid tax around here. I was just being mm-hmm. stupid. Why did I do that? And we've all done it. Different dollar amounts, different purchases. We've all done it. So if I were you, I, and I think that's an act to your wife too, to say, hey, I screwed up and I'm going back and, yeah. I'm, and I'm making this right instead of depleting the emergency fund for a stupid car. Yeah, it's no, not an emergency. No. And then what happens when a real emergency hits and you have no money? Then your wife's really mad. So, uh, you know, this was financial infidelity and you, ha- you have to rebuild trust. And I think a way you can do that is yeah. by reversing this decision and selling it to show her how serious you are. But don't beat yourself up. You're not dumb. We all make dumb decisions. This is The Ramsey Show. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I am George Campbell, Ramsey personality, co-host of Smart Money Happy Hour, as well as The Ramsey Show. And I'm joined by the other side of Smart Money Happy Hour, Rachel Cruz. And we are taking your calls today. And if you want to check out Smart Money Happy Hour, you can do that on The Ramsey Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's also on YouTube, just the audio portion. But I'm excited to announce that in 2023, we're coming to you with video. People have been asking. They want to see it. (laughs) They want to believe it. And so uh, an episode just released yesterday all about Love is Blind's best and most cringeworthy money lessons, and it's one of Rachel's favorite reality shows. I love Love is Blind. So this was really just a gift for Rachel to talk about her favorite reality show at work. I know. I know. And I want to do Laguna Beach next. I binge that. We got we got a lot of good pop culture on this on this podcast. So make sure make sure to check it out. And some good lessons, George. You're right. It's real time life happening. There's a lot of what not to do and on these reality shows. <laughs> and a few that are like, Okay, thumbs up. You're doing great. Oh boy. Good stuff. I know. Dave Dave was talking about how he listens to every episode. He's like, I mean, it's all so good. I didn't really like the last episode, the Love is Blind one. I was like, Oh, Come not on. not the target demo. Don't yeah yeah. I thought you were gonna say the Dave six, watches six. Love Is Blind. I was like that I is the shocking wish. revelation of the year. That could be a a reality show right there. Oh boy. <laughs> well, we're going back to the phones this hour. The number to call is triple eight eight two five five two two five. You jump in. We'll talk about your life and your money. Eric has chosen to do that, and he's over in St. Paul, Minnesota. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What's going on with you? Um, so I guess my question today is I am in a three year long relationship. I'm 19 and my girlfriend's 18. 
Um, and she's not really familiar with the plan, but she's planning on going to college soon. And I'm just, I can see a future with her and I'm scared. I don't want her to go into debt, but every time I guess we, we were raised differently and I grew up in a, um, less fortunate circumstance, but she's been able to spend more. And so there's kind of a disconnect there. And I don't know if it's any of my business, um, being that we're still dating and that we're still so young or what I can do. Well, you're very wise for your age for even considering all of this in the equation. Is she going to college near you? Or are you guys going to get split up? Uh, no, she's going near us. Near oh, good. Our hometown. That's okay. Great. That bodes well. Yeah. I mean, do you see yourself um, proposing anytime soon? You think you guys are going to get married, you know, in, in like the next year? Or do you think, oh, no, 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 we're still too young. We're going to wait it out a few years, wait till she graduates. Like, what what is your plan, Eric, with her? Um, well, we both knocked up some college credits. I'm about graduated with a bachelor's and then she's kind of on a similar path. Um, wow. So this is like an so accelerator I, program? Yeah, through our high school and several okay. classes as well. Well, what I'm kind of getting at, Eric, is depending upon um, how quickly you're going to make a decision when it comes to something like marriage will be the um, speed at which I would have a conversation with her. So... Uh, I'm not going to knock your age. I was young when I got married. I was 21. So I was just two years older than you. I got married young. Um, so, you know, if you, if you guys really are going down this path and, and it starts to get more serious and you're like, okay, yeah, marriage is a for real thing. We, we kind of have a timeline. We're mapping this out. Then that's when the values conversation comes into play is, hey, is debt going to be a part of our life or are we going to live debt free? What does it look like uh, to live on a budget together? What does it look like? You know, maybe if she's a spender and you're the saver, which is my marriage, I'm the spender, he's the saver. Uh, you know, you, and you start to have those kind of values conversations. You guys are still going to be different. Um, you know, you kind of have your God-given personality, but uh, you start to have those conversations, say, hey, how are we going to work together as a team? But I wouldn't feel the pressure to do that, Eric, again, if marriage isn't really in close in proximity because while yes she could be the one and you know that at 19 and you guys could get married and all of that also a lot of life happens um you know in your in your late teens and early 20s especially when you're making decisions like college or moving for a job you just never know what's going to happen so i would accelerate the conversation as the wedding conversation starts to accelerate and become more of a reality but yeah that, that would be my opinion yeah have you had conversations with her about money so far that have not gone well what kind of makes you think she's super far off um i guess i don't know i've always been like a really heavy spender so um i don't know i i feel bad i i think maybe sometimes i say things i shouldn't when we're shopping um but i also do it because i what are you saying give me an give me an example like she'll uh, like a pair of shoes that I don't think she'll wear, I'll say like, um, do you think you'll actually wear this or do you think you'll actually need this? And It's a little uh, passive aggressive. That sounds like marriage. <laughs> I, I have for sure said that. Um, so that doesn't end well for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. It yeah, never and, ends and, well for me, Eric, too, in my marriage. And Eric, so. you never want to get in the position where you feel like you're the you're parenting her or something. And she's 18. And if she's mm -hmm. never really done stuff on her own, she may not know. 
Um, so yeah, I think that there's a lot of grace here. Um, I think that there is a level of reality of your age. You know, she's 18. She, she may not know. And, you know, she's lived one way. And again, with a lot of grace and a lot of humility on your end, Eric, uh, to start those conversations, I think would be great. Yeah. The, I mean, I was a knucklehead at your age when it came to money. So I don't want someone judging me for the rest of my life based what on I how I was yes. at 18. Yeah, you know? that's right. And so I, w- I would definitely have some grace. I feel like you're almost, you're you're so mature for your age as far as the way you're thinking. And so I think we also need to go. Chill out. We're not adults yet. Like, we don't have bills to pay. So I don't need to be like, what are your thoughts on annuities versus 401ks? You know, you can just have more general money conversations with her and say, hey, what's your plan for, for school? Are you... Are you applying for scholarships? Like, how cool would it be if we could both graduate debt-free and all of our income from our jobs stayed with us? And you can just start to kind of see how she feels about those kinds of things. I guess another part of the problem is that um, I was fortunate enough to have my college paid for through, like, grants and stuff um, through the state. Um, And so she's like, you haven't even – you haven't even tried to go through college – um, without taking out loans. So she's so, going, well, you don't get to talk to me about that because you're over here right. and you got all this, this free money to go to college. Have you helped her maybe apply for some scholarships? Helped her find uh, some? No, I, I mean, I've encouraged her to look, but I, yeah, no. I think you kind of come alongside her, not as a condescending coach, but more as a, a friend, a boyfriend, and go, hey, I want to see you win. I care about you as a person, and I know you got a lot on your plate right now. I'd love to help in any way I can. Yeah, and I would leave the boundary at that, Eric, because as much as you love her, you guys are just dating. It's not your wife. If you were in a marriage, this would be a different kind of conversation. You're just dating, and so um, you don't... She, she doesn't have responsibility to you. I mean, she doesn't, so... Um, I don't know. There, there's that that tension that lies there, but I think having those conversations, I think it's totally fine. Um, yeah, to bring it up and just casually be like, "All right, let's let's talk about college. Let's talk about." And again, as the future starts to become more of a reality, it's like, "All right, let's talk about this. This is really important to me. This is a value system play to me." Um, and have those, but I would I would just kind of I I would take a breath, Eric. Just I would just chill. And these are her decisions. You're not married to her, so. Obviously, you want her to go one path, but even if she doesn't, we tell people, you can marry someone with debt, you know, like, yes. it, like that is still a thing. Again, you want your values to align, uh, but if she makes this, you know, if she decides to go into student loan debt at 18, you know it's not wise, but she gets to make that decision, her and her family, and she's going to go along, and, and then you guys, if you guys end up getting married, then yeah, that'll be a discussion, but yeah. I don't know. I just, I want you to enjoy some of this life too, you know what I mean? I don't want you to get skip straight to adulthood well just just like right. uh the, the tension point but you it. could watch a uh, borrowed future with her it's free on youtube and that can start a conversation yeah. without you starting it for her and just her saying hey that was a really interesting documentary what are you what are your thoughts on that and that's a good way to kind of get those values out without making it weird sure so uh, i'm rooting you on man i hope this thing works out you sound awesome eric keep up the good work on your end for sure you're you're killing it that puts this hour of The Ramsey Show in the books. My thanks to my co-host, Rachel Cruz, all of our listeners out there, and all the folks in the booth keeping the show afloat. We've got Austin and Will and James and Zach and Andrew and Josh, a whole bunch of folks. We'll be back with you before you know it. This is The Ramsey Show. Do you love a good day, Brand? Want to see the latest Ramsey Show videos going viral? Check out your favorite moments from The Ramsey Show on YouTube.
Go watch and subscribe to The Ramsey Show channel on YouTube.